you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Boss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you coming by the big show. Uh, it's always wonderful to have you guys because without you, we'd just be sitting here talking in a mic after 14 years, and that would be really awful after 14 years to be doing this. Anyway, guys, uh, be sure, as always, to refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube, or I'm sorry, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and also we're trying to be cool on TikTok, which is not working and probably will never work, but we're going to try because those crazy kids are over there and we're trying to be hip. Hip? Is that even the word that kids say anymore? Oh, I just think I dated myself. Anyway, we have an amazing author on the show. She has her newest book. I think it's 10 or 11. We were discussing this before the show. We're just going to call it 11. We're going to round up because uh, she broke the 10 mark. Uh, it's called The Last Lifeboat. It comes out June 13th, 2023. Holy crap. We halfway through the year already. Oh, my gosh. People are watching this 10 years from now going, what is he talking about? Uh, Hazel Gonora is on the show with us today. She's going to be talking to us about her amazing new book and uh, a lot of the other stuff she's right. We'll get a plug in for all of her works there. Uh, she is an award-winning New York Times, USA Today, Globe and Mail, and Irish Times best-selling historical novelist. We can't forget the Irish Times. Uh, her debut novel, The Girl Who Came Home, was awarded the 2015 RNA Historical Novel of the Year. And her novels have been shortlisted for the 2016 and 2020 Irish Book Awards. There's a lot of Irish going on today. I feel like having some whiskey. Uh, the 2019 HWA Gold Crown Award as well. And the 2020 RNA Historical Novel of the Year. And the 2021 Grand Prix du Roman Historique. Wow, that sounds prestigious. Uh, it sounds like a, also a racing car thing. Uh, her latest novel, When We Were Young and Brave, The Bird in the Bamboo Cage. That's my, that's a, I think it's a biography of my life on Fridays. Um, was a national bestseller in the USA. She's co-written novels with Heather Webb, and they've all been published to critical acclaim. And if you think otherwise, she'll tell you otherwise. I don't know what that means. Winning and being shortlisted, uh, her books have been for several international awards. Welcome to the show, Hazel. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. What an intro. Well, we, <laughs> you know, we try. We try to punch up the bios and beef and, it uh, up. Beef it up. Yeah. Beef it up. And then, and then people after the show are like, what the fuck did you do to my bio? No, I think we, I think we both need a whiskey after that. I feel, <laughs> I feel like pressure. <laughs> are you Irish? You seem to be really popular in Ireland. Well, I live in Ireland. My, I'm oh. actually an Irish citizen. My husband's Irish oh. and I got, I got my citizenship uh, two years ago. Ah. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of officially adopted by Ireland now, which is well. It great. sounds like they've taken you on and and adopted you as one of their own. So I mean, good for them. It's a great, yeah. beautiful place too. It's gorgeous, and you see, I kept getting shortlisted for all the awards, so they felt they had to, you know, make it official. So that that's where we're at. So yeah, it's a gorgeous country, um, great fun, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm officially go. part of the gang now. 
There you go. So uh, what motivated you want to write your latest book here, The Last Lifeboat? Well, all of my books are inspired by history. So um, I'm always sort of like a magpie. I'm always looking at uh, documentaries and picking up bits of um, the past, I suppose, uh, from wherever I am. And this story just absolutely blew me away. It's um, a really incredible story of survival at sea. And I've always been really drawn to those human endurance stories. You know, I kind of get fascinated by people in peril and how do they respond? How do they cope? Um, and this is set during the Second World War when a ship taking evacuees children from Liverpool in England to Canada was mm -hmm. torpedoed in the mm -hmm. Atlantic. And there was a lifeboat full of survivors that had believed to have been sunk and lost. So for a period of time, spoiler alert, <laughs> these survivors didn't know if help was coming or what their outcome was going to be. And it's such a human drama. And I just immediately knew the alerts went off and I was like, I have to write this story. There you go. You know, I think I think we've all kind of envisioned what that must be like to be on a lifeboat and you're in, you know, you don't know if help's coming, you know, the big yeah. ship is sunk and then you're on board with people that are in a very panicked situation. And, and, uh, you know, as we saw with COVID, you know, sometimes emergencies can bring out the worst in people and sometimes not the best. Yeah. And, and, and isn't that the way? And I think we're all secretly fascinated. It's like the classic when you come across a road traffic accident and it's like, you don't want to look, but you look and it, it, <laughs> we all do it. Right. Um, and you're, you're sort of fascinated, it's the morbid fascination of what would I do in that situation? Would I be the person who organizes everyone, the fight or flight situation? Um, could I help other people? Do you run away or do you run towards? You know, and I think great fiction in any format makes us answer that question. And that's why I really, really loved this story. Um, and any any situation like that that makes us think what if and what what would i do would i be the hero or would i be the you know the guy at the back saying you guys get on with it yeah this is always fascinating to me what makes people run into danger you know like 9 11 what makes what makes people run into a building that could come down and did come down what yeah. makes what makes people uh in extraordinary events uh do become incredible leaders and and stand out. Uh, we had somebody on the show who talked to Man Mandela when the assassination of, uh, of one of the leaders of uh, that was uh, trying to get our apartheid overturned. Uh, you know, and, and different things like that. John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, uh, Martin Luther King. You know, all these people that in extraordinary moments uh, chose leadership and chose to yeah. to uh, what I think Abraham Lincoln uh, said are better angels. Was it Abraham Lincoln that said it? Um, so, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then sometimes, uh, we're not so good. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think, you know, that's, there's so many, and, and, you know, in recent years, I mean, you mentioned nine 11, you mentioned COVID and I think, you know, we often look at events like the second world war and think, oh, we, you know, we haven't experienced any life changing events like that. And, and, and we very much have, mm -hmm. and I'm really conscious as a parent of how do you, tell your kids about that and and I, I watched a news report um, after one of the London tube bombings and it talked about somebody saying they tell their children to look to the people who are helping you know yeah. that not all people are bad bad people did this but there are good people and there will always be people as you say running to help mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important to remember and of course history 
we forget those people who look slightly odd in black and white photographs are exactly the same as you and I. Mm -hmm. And how did we respond to COVID and how hard was it to be separated from loved ones? Exactly what parents, adults, everybody went through in World War II. Mm -hmm. So time really doesn't change how we respond as people. And I think that's why I love kind of dipping into history because yes, it's set in the past, but the human response to, to, to conflict and crisis is evergreen. It, it doesn't matter what era we're in. It's that same sense of, you know, the crisis responds. How do we respond? So, yeah, I found it really, really interesting. There you go. So you, you've got, I think, two protagonist characters in the book. Tell us a little bit about uh, the, uh, whoever that is and the protagonist in it. Yeah. So uh, The Last Lifeboat is told from two points of view, hmm. two women. Um, Alice, who is a teacher slash librarian who has volunteered essentially to take these children across on this difficult journey. Um, and she finds herself in the lifeboat with other survivors. So she's the one with who we see the peril of the situation everybody's in in the lifeboat. The contrasting point of view is a mother, Lily, who has sent two of her children on the evacuee ship. And she's in London experiencing the bombing raids of the Blitz. And she doesn't know what has happened to her children because obviously back in 1940, communication was very different and much slower. <laughs> there was no um, cell phones. Right. We didn't get our news off Twitter, you know? <laughs> so it was, you know, impossible to know exactly what had happened. So we're seeing this event from two very different points of view. And it's really about how an event like that can bring people together um, and how do they each respond and how do our fates intersect in those moments of crisis. And Alice is inspired by a real woman, Mary Cornish, who this whole event is based on something that happened. Mm -hmm. And Mary Cornish was the inspiration for Alice. Lily is entirely from my imagination because I wanted to have that contrasting point of view and just show how an ordinary working, you know, sort of mother in London had to think about, shall I send my children away mm -hmm. with the dangers that that brings or shall I keep them in London with me and the dangers that that brings? I mean, Sophie's choice, right? It's yeah. impossible. So the drama and the tension is 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 high. It's high stakes. Um, a lot of readers have told me it's a, it's a real page turner um, because there is that ongoing tension of of who, who's going to get out of this. Um, so just incredible. There drama. you go. And they've got a boat of women and children, and right and and children. I mean that that's got to be even harder with because you can't really reason with children. They're upset. They're emotional. They're you know they're yeah. they're in a situation. They can see that parents are stressed and. People are stressed. Yeah. yeah. And 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 Alice sort of almost unwillingly finds herself as the only woman in the lifeboat looking after the, the surviving children that are with mm -hmm. her. Um, whereas the men sort of become, like we said earlier, the 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 leaders, the organizers, the, the physical um help, if you like. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting to study that sort of male-female dynamic in a crisis as well. Um and the children again, are very much inspired by the real children who who experienced this and were just incredibly resilient. Um, they wrote about it as adults and recalled 
what it was like oh, wow. uh, those, those days and nights in the lifeboat and how this um, woman, Mary Cornish, kept their spirits up and um, she told them stories to distract them from the storm that was lashing the lifeboat with waves. I mean, just, again, you know, we we can't imagine being in that situation ourselves, but to put mm -hmm. a, a young child in that, it, it just adds a whole other level um, of emotion. Um, yeah. And as I say, this is all based on on true events. Fact is always stranger than fiction, right? So, yeah, it sounds like you did a lot of research on it, and there was quite a lot of documentation and, and uh, people writing about you know their experience. So you had a lot to 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 delve from and develop your story from. Yeah, um, a lot of firsthand, which is you know real sort of gold dust to to a, a writer. If you can get primary source material, the people who were there, um, and of course at the time, people weren't encouraged to talk about experiences like this. It was very much the classic, keep calm and carry on. Um, there was, yeah, yeah, there was no counseling. There wasn't any suggestion of mental health. Um, and people came out of these life-changing events traumatized. So really it's no surprise that I think in later life, they did want to talk about it and write down their memories um, of those events. And it's it's just incredible to be able to access that now and bring that authenticity to an event that I've obviously never experienced myself. I mean, you, you sort of use their memories to fuel the imagination. Um, yeah. Just incredible to read, yeah. Yeah, the and and do you can you tease out how long they're on the lifeboat? Uh, I know we can't really tell the ends and middles of most novels. <laughs> Yeah, spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's there in it's there on the jacket um in in some editions. So eight days um that wow. this lifeboat had um actually parents were informed that their children had been lost. Um wow. and yet they they weren't they were still alive, but believed mm -hmm. there was a miscounting of the lifeboats that were recovered. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the you can imagine the chaos in in the, the aftermath. Um so just this you know, all hope is lost, and yet, yeah. uh, just incredible. Yeah, it's and and you bring up hope. I mean, it's that old adage too that hope springs eternal. Mm. I mean, without it, I mean, we're kind of lost as a humanity. And uh, and and yeah, you're. I, I can imagine going through just a day, twenty four hours in in a lifeboat. You're like, I don't know if anybody's coming to save us. I don't know if we've got enough food or water. Um, it, there's sharks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're back in those days where, you know, they didn't have technology. You're not like, well, I'm sure that some, uh, you know, uh, Air Force thing's going to fly over and find us and the wreckage and, you know, yeah. some uh, radar will see some boat float. I mean, even nowadays, you know, you look at the recent plane that went down a few years ago. I think it was in Malaysia. They the never Malaysian found the plane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They never found the plane. And you're like, yeah. wait, with all this technology, we still can't find stuff in the middle of an ocean. Yeah. Um, you know, Titanic is still a big thing. Uh, I don't know if you saw recently the the new uh, scans they did in Titanic. I mean, we're still yeah. fascinated by this stuff. Yeah. But the dynamic of what people go through, I mean, imagine lots of drama because in your book, because, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, people go through up and down and it's a very yeah. emotional situation because you don't have control. That's it. And, and I think that's the crux of it. It's it's the lack of control, mm -hmm. you know, and we, we all hate that, don't we? And <laughs> of course that, that that hope does spring eternal. So the initial response of everybody is, oh, you know, they'll come and get us, they'll rescue us. The other ships that were in our convoy will turn around and come and get us. 
but shipping laws at the time prevented any ships returning to a site where it was believed there were U-boats in the area because oh, obviously they're next. Wow. Yeah. So the rescue was very much curtailed um, and very much like the Titanic. And obviously mm -hmm. that was where I started my writing career, writing The Girl Who Came Home, which is a novel of the Titanic. So I've been wow. fascinated with disaster at sea for a long time. And again, you know, the miscommunications there, which meant the Carpathia was the closest ship, but was four hours away. So nobody survived in the water. Mm -hmm. um, and like you say, you know, technology even looking for the Malaysian Airlines flight, I, I watched a documentary about that recently and they said it wasn't about a needle in a haystack. They didn't even know where the haystack was. Mm. You know, and it's, it's, we forget how massive oceans are. Um, so of course, yes, in, in The Last Lifeboat, in my imagination, the conversations, the first few hours are very much about, oh, help will be coming, it's all okay, everybody yeah. stay calm. But how that unravels when the next morning comes along and another night starts to fall mm -hmm. and there's another night of absolute terror. Um, and hope on the other side. Yeah. yeah, hope hope of my mother, Lily, who, despite being told her children uh, were on the ship, firmly believes they've both survived. And it's that sort of mother's instinct or refusal to believe when everybody's telling you there's no hope she she insists there is always hope mm -hmm. um, so yeah it's quite quite astonishing i remember the beginning of covid was a very dark time and one of my friends wrote there's two things you do right now one be a lifter and if you can't be a lifter go find a lifter yeah. and it was an interesting moment to me it actually changed the 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 chris voss show after 10 years of it was you know we're 14 years old now in august but uh we were 10 years old then and we mostly uh you know interviewed ceos and tech people and, and stayed in the technology space and uh and covid when i heard that i said we need to use the show to be a lifter and we opened the scope of the show to all authors and and everyone and it really okay. changed it really changed everything for me for us but we we built the show to be more of a lifter and and so i love books like yours because it kind of brings forth that dynamic of the human element of where some people are lifters some people need lifting uh some people maybe you know like some of the characters in your book they maybe didn't have maybe weren't in the place where they were ready to be brave or daring and maybe they find their footing in that in that field yeah absolutely and uh, you know and that's a brilliant way of of putting it and i think so often people turn a crisis into a force for good. And, and that was seen so often through COVID. And I think it's our, um, you know, our closest way of understanding an event like the Second World War, where community routine was totally disrupted. Um, we couldn't see loved ones, we couldn't travel, that complete element of the unknown. Um, so it makes an event like as distant as 1940 suddenly make a bit more sense in, in how people responded to that. And yeah, I think, I've said over the years, you know, I've often looked at, at tragedy um, and, and that that's where I've been inspired. Mm -hmm. And obviously you end up reading about some very harrowing, very emotional situations. But it's incredible how at the same time, it's like a parallel with every crisis and, and drama and, and terrible situation. There is always a running track of goodness and kindness and mm -hmm. hope and inspiration. 
And it, it's like almost impossible to write one without the other, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful thing to be able to say, you know, that you do see the, the goodness in people in the worst of times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we've all experienced that recently. And I think it's amazing that, like you say, your show changed um, and you've continued with that. And, and that's often how things do change, isn't it? That it's the mm-hmm. worst possible time that makes the change and then it becomes a better thing or a different mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it, it's quite amazing how, how often that happens. Definitely. I mean, so many books got written over COVID and, uh, and, and there were books on <laughs> lifters on how to live your life better. And, and of course, books that, that entertain and form and motivate and inspire like yours. You know, what, what you talked about is, is, a, is kind of a microcosm. The Last Lifeboat is kind of a microcosm, uh, a tide pool, if you will, of humanity and, and how we perform in, in the worst and best stuff. So I love the inspiration behind it. Uh, evidently, Lily Nichols, your one character, uh, her husband w- was gone with bombs raining down. Do you want to tease out if he was still alive or was he at war? Or, or uh, it's up to you to tease that or if you want to. Or yeah. That way. Yeah, I mean, I won't I won't conclude uh, the, that particular arc. Um, but the men within the last lifeboat in a time of war, I was very conscious of considering alternate points of view. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the time we, well, first of all, I think we think about war as a very male thing, Mm -hmm. um, which is why it's been amazing to think about it from female point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, many men um, immediately wanted to do their bit, signed up and, you know, hailed as heroes and, and, you know, rightly so. However, Of course, there's always an exception to that rule. And many men conscientiously objected Mm -hmm. on grounds of morals. Um, Others were involved and yet were deeply disturbed by what they were being asked to do Mm -hmm. um, and were traumatized. And, you know, I said earlier about mental health and how we didn't talk about PTSD Mm -hmm. the way we do now and... Yet the men in 1940 were expected to, you know, literally all man up, put on a uniform, get in an aeroplane, fight, bomb, whatever was required. So my male characters, one of whom is Lily's husband, Mm -hmm. has a very different uh, story. Hmm. And one of the men who's in the lifeboat with Alice also has a very different story, as does her brother. And I really felt it was a conscious decision to do that, that, that I I didn't want to just put in another brave war hero. I wanted to consider, how, this feels to me like a very different book about the war. Um, and so therefore I wanted to try and tell other people's stories as well, because they're just as valid. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, it, it's the classic thing. Uh, men go off to war, we're expendable. You know, it's always women and children first because we have to preserve the future of the propagation of the species. Mm-hmm. And women, you know, you you see women through history that that fight to protect their children, their future, their children. I mean, that usually when women are off at war, being run over by tribes, you know, women have had to be left at, at uh, behind to, to take care of the kids because the kids mm-hmm. and, and them and their wombs are the future of the propagation mm-hmm. of species with women, men are disposable. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, you, you saw like, uh, you see that today. I see that with immigrants that come to this country with women bringing their children here and they, and you know, Afghanistan, I think was the, the one thing that always sticks out in my mind, seeing mothers throw their babies to you yeah. as soldiers and yeah. for a mother to give up her child, uh, for a 
so that child could have a better life is extraordinary yeah. when you think of the psychology behind it. Yeah. But the and the love for a child, uh, yeah. you know, my my mother uh, would, uh, I mean, she'd probably do anything for me. Uh, she'd probably give her life for me. Um, yeah. And uh, mother mothers are extraordinary. Um, yeah, and I'm a mother myself, and I yeah. think. You know that, and I have two boys. So interesting mm -hmm. that I've I've looked at that particular experience of war mm -hmm. from an, an a different point of view. And you know what an unimaginable thing to think about your son heading off to war, which mm -hmm. actually is part of my family history. So my great uncle um, was lost in the Second World War, and I actually have letters that his mother, my great grandmother, wrote to him when he'd been recorded as missing in action. And it's un unbearable. It's heartbreaking to read her agony at not knowing where he is. And he never came home. And that piece of family history, that real sense of loss and agony of a woman, you know, in, in my family circle has, again, really helped me to portray that on the page. And I think, you know, women were left to make very difficult decisions. Yeah. So in the last lifeboat, it, it was really the women, it, there was a lot of propaganda, you know, posters said, mothers, do the right thing, send mm -hmm. your children away. Yeah. Um, how on earth do you wave your child off on a ship, yeah. not knowing when we now know the war ended in 1945, they didn't know it, how, when, if it was going to end, or what the world would look like at that point. And some children who were evacuated never did come home because either their parents were lost in the process or uh, just life had moved on, life had changed. Um, you know, so as I said, just a Sophie's choice, it's, it's an impossible decision. And it's really that, um, I suppose, futility in some ways of, of, you know, which way do you go? And, and there's a bear in both directions, you yeah. know? <laughs> The lesser of two evils sometimes. Yeah. And 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 these this was this happened a lot with U-boats, uh, you know, submarines. I mean, Germany was big on this and they were sinking a lot of boats. And mm -hmm. you know, so you're like, do we stay in London or do we make a run for cover? And and uh and then they're and then they're facing the thing. So uh, a beautiful story and 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 uh you know something that brings to light uh, human nature and and shines light on uh doing good and evil and sin. And hopefully sets a, you know, we learn from history. <laughs> we do, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, history has that awful habit of repeating itself. Which, <laughs> which, but, you know, I do think it, we can we can learn a lot from the past. And, and a lot of it is very familiar, actually. You mm. know, they say the, the past is a foreign place. They do things differently there. Not so differently, actually, um, when it comes down to our emotional response. Um, yeah. We're all the same. In, in that respect and stories are great because they're how we learn they're the owner's manual to life telling stories and and being griots if you will as they used to call them in africa the storytellers the historians because that's how we learn about life and have maybe you know maybe you know what would i do in this situation maybe yeah. then when you're confronted with that situation you do better well uh, anything more you want to tease out hazel on the sh on the book well, I, honestly, I mean, you've 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 given me some amazing uh, sound bites. Which <laughs> a book about humility is is and the human uh, the the human response to to drama is really, I suppose, the heart of this book. It's it's the consequence of what if do I stay? Do I go? Um, and that in a time of war, there's really never going to be a great outcome. 
Um, and I, I just hope that people will enjoy a slightly different story of the Second World War. And that really, as I said, at the very top of the show, it's, it's more a story about human endurance and the, the human spirit, which I think we can all take a lot away from and respond to. There you go. Hope springs eternal. Uh, Hazel, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Uh, very simple. Hazelgainer.com is my website. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram at Hazel Gainer. Haven't delved into TikTok yet, but I believe the kids <laughs> are uh, very much taking over. So maybe I should step into BookTok at some point. But yeah, my, my kids are mortified at the, 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 the whole idea of their mom being anywhere near TikTok. So... <laughs> That's the whole point of being a parent. Scar your children. <laughs> give them something to talk to. In a, to they they got to have something to talk to in a psychiatrist's office. Pass yeah. it down. Uh, you know, <laughs> all that sort of good stuff. Uh, thank you very much, Hazel, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Great to talk. Thank you so much. There you go. And thanks to my audience for tuning in. Uh, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. Remember, stay out of this alleyway bookstores. You might need a tetanus shot or you might get mugged. Uh, go to Amazon.com wherever fine books are sold. Uh, June 13th, 2023, you can pre-order it up and be the first one on your book club to say you read it, so you got bragging rights. The Last Lifeboat is out. Uh, you can get that uh, at uh, your local bookstore. I support your local bookstore, too. I should throw a plug-in for them. Uh, anyways, go to goodreads.com for just Chris Foss, youtube.com for just Chris Foss, linkedin.com for just Chris, Chris Foss. See us. We're all over the damn web. What do you people want from me already? And we're on TikTok. And I, I guess well, you got to join whatever's new next week. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. And that should happen.